Welcome back to Somebody Save Us. Uh, it is a Smallville podcast where week by week, episode by episode, we revisit the 2000s TV show Smallville. And uh, I'm Paul. And I'm Steve. And uh, this week we're covering episode four, X-Ray. Yes. Starring the amazing... Lizzie fucking Kaplan. And I'm going to, that's her name from now. Lizzie fucking Kaplan. Don't ever forget. <laughs> She's incredible. I like, I actually just like love her so much. Yeah. Like I was, uh, right away, like I'm pretty bad with actor names. And so I did have to look up who it was and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we, uh, this episode's written. Uh, by Mark uh, Verhaden, uh, and he did. Uh, is it Mark Verhaden? Yeah, he did Time Cop, and some episodes of Heroes, and he's one of the producers on uh, Swamp Thing. Okay, Swamp then, Thing I haven't seen. Heroes yeah. was hit and miss for me. Yeah, but you wrote Time Cop. Yeah, damn, that's and... that's that's baller in, in my. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And the guy who directed this doesn't have a ton of credits, but he has some pretty big ones like the original Muppet movie. Yeah. All right. And a lot of Columbo. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Peter Falk. <laughs> Peter Falk was OG back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is uh, again, episode four. Uh, kind of another, uh, you know, of a long string of episodes where we're going to be introduced to a villain that Clark is going to try to defeat before the end of the episode. <laughs> Spoiler, uh, he's usually pretty successful. Yeah, he's going to throw somebody. And... Almost guaranteed. But yeah, so we uh, we uh, we open on, I can't remember, There's there's a band, like a recognizable band playing in this opening scene as Lex is walking into the bank. Um, he's kind of got a, a backpack slung over his shoulder and the bank meets him uh, kind of in the lobby uh, to greet him. And Lex announces that he wants to close all the accounts and that he wants it in cash. Um, the bank manager's like, well, the, the Luthers have been banking with us for 12 years. And that immediately drives the question, why the Luthers, a billionaire company, bank at a small town bank? It's got to be for some like corruption reasons, right? Well, no, I, I, the way I look at, I mean, that's a possibility. It's absolutely a possibility, but the way I look at it is, I mean, if we go back to the pilot, Lionel was already flying around Smallville, just buying properties and shit. Right. 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 So I look at it as like, this is the local Smallville savings and loans. So they probably have the deeds to a lot of the properties, uh, right, or a lot of right. the businesses. So Lionel's just dealing with them because they're local and easy and have access to everything. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I guess they would, they would just have open branches there or, or, or open accounts there, whatever. I, I do like the fact that like in episode four, we've already established Lex so well that Lex with a backpack looks weird. Yeah, it does. It doesn't fit. <laughs> it's just like so, immediately something's off is like Lex would never have a backpack. Ever. Yeah, and he's, he's a lot smilier. Yes. <laughs> uh, he looks really, it's like really Michael Rosenbaum really having a, like a goofy time. Um, the, uh, the situation strikes the manager a little weird though. And he, uh, he gets Lex to verify kind of his, his, uh, signature and things do not match up. Um, Even close. Like you would, and I get that these are like high school kids and whatever. And you're supposed to like, maybe go, Oh, haha, a kid, you know, wouldn't know that kind of thing, but right. you would prepare better than that. Yeah, I think maybe they didn't expect, or maybe she didn't know how this works. Um, but when confronted about it, Lex just like pulls out a just an enormous hand cannon. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, just points point. He like put the money in the bag, but as he's saying it, you can hear uh, uh, Tina's voice in his voice for like just a split like a, second. A little bit of a glit, glitch in the matrix. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but he's just like this massive gun, <laughs> like in the in the guy's face, and we cut to outside, and Lex is running through the people as he's running running down the street, 
and making an escape. And Clark seeing this kind of stops him, like grabs him and stops him to ask him what's going on. And he just gets hurled through a window. Yeah. So, and this goes back to something I was going to say in like the previous episode is, do we just, we just have to like kind of accept that one of the abilities you get with exposure to meteor rock is super strength. Like you, I, you get mm-hmm. something else, but super strength is always going to be a part of it. Right. Because if you think about, um, uh, well, if you think about the first episode with the electric dude, he didn't mm-hmm. have super strength cause he wasn't able to like throw Clark around or anything like that. But, but um, did he try? But spider Greg definitely was able to. Yeah. Um, and I mean the coach beat the shit out of him, but again, we meteor were rock. exposed to the meteor rock. So, so Clark was in a weakened state or is it, is that it is that everybody is so exposed to meteor rock that they themselves are also giving off a bit of radiation. Right. I think and, that explains some of it. Yeah. Um, I think there's been lots of times though, where Clark is just happens to be where the combat is happening. There's just meteor rock. That's fair. Yeah. No. Okay. I'll but, just have to accept it, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. We, we, we kind of have to just hand wave it, hand wave it off. But uh, yeah, so he gets, uh, while Clark is laying on the ground, he's kind of blinking and it looks like he's like straining his eyes and his eyes switched x-ray vision for a second. And we see kind of green lines running along the skeleton of, uh, yeah. of Lex Luthor. And we're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. There's like mineral deposits in the bones. Right, right. And uh, we we see um, like a woman with the backpack kind of walking up a flight of stairs asking, like calling after Tina, uh, just uh, confronts her outside. I guess Tina's just gotten out of the shower or whatever. And she's like, you didn't rob the bank yesterday, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's so weirdly like she's obviously angry, but it's also like it's just a weird question. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Tina does, like, a very bad, like, CG anamorph mm. into, into Lex. I it didn't is do it. so bad. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't rob the bank, Mom. Lex Luthor did. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, the head is, like, a size and a half too big <laughs> for the body. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just awful. Just terrible. It gets better throughout the episode. But I was like, is this this is going to look like this the whole episode? This is rough. But that first morph is bad. Oof, yeah. And so the the mom's like, you know what? We're going to return it. I'll just say I found it in a garbage can. And they're struggling at the top of the stairs. And, like, the mom, like, tears the bag. And she just screams. Like, it's almost like a Wilhelm scream level. Like, ah! (laughs) That would have been better. That would have been awesome. (laughs) And she goes down the stairs and she dead. Oh, very dead. Very dead. And it's very, again, this is something that I just have to like, I guess, chalk up to meteor rock exposure is apparently you lose all sense of remorse because she mourns her mother for all of three to maybe five seconds before she's she's like, oh shit, I got to cover this up. Yeah, she's like, she's still kind of in, in shock and mourning as she calls into 911, but it kind of, her face kind of smooths out. And this is like really good acting because she goes from like a look of panic to just kind of her eyes just, just dull out. Like she just, her soul just drains out of her and she just goes, oh, nothing. Yeah. No, just never hangs mind. up, hangs up the phone into the opening credits. And again, I sing along. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and it's the next morning and the Kents are around the breakfast table discussing what's happened at the robbery because they've heard the hearsay about Lex having done it and Lex shows up at their door. How convenient. <laughs> so very, <laughs> of, of all the places you're being investigated for the robbery of a bank and your first stop in the morning is to, I should go check out that random kid that I hit. <laughs> Like he's got yeah. no real established relationship with the Kents at all at this point, other than he hit Clark with his car and they shared a cup of coffee that Lana fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, he, he shows up and he's just trying to convince them, you know, he asks Clark a bunch of questions about like, well, like, are you sure it was me? And he talks about how like the uh, fingerprints didn't match and all this other stuff. And he says, I promise I'm not a criminal mastermind. Yes. Which is nice. <laughs> he also gets and, a dig in there at Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about his reputation. I can't remember what it is. He's like, oh, yeah, this is certainly about... not going to help my reputation, or at least with people who don't have a bias against me or something like that. Yeah, and then uh, Jonathan's just kind of like, yeah, I got to get to work. But Clark, right after <laughs> right after Lex drops the mastermind uh, thing, uh, Clark says, I know a criminal mastermind would have worn a mask. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit more a little bit more of that which um, um which technically i guess the criminal did i just i'm trying to figure out ways that she could have gotten away with it and it really would have been so easy to just like fangirl and go oh my god lex luther can i have your autograph and then you just learn to sign his name and you're done you're rich right right he's the but real he... mastermind lizzie kaplan his name is steve there you go but yeah, so um, I think the next thing is just at school during gym class. And uh, like, it's the old rope climbing drill, which, you know what? Like, it's so crazy. Like, I remember that only happening one time. Like, it wasn't a thing that you did all the time. Like, I it happened 100% once. never had to climb a rope in gym. I we all, we all did. I remember doing like the fitness exams and stuff where it was like you do the flexed arm hang and how many right. sit-ups can you do and can you run up like eight yeah, miles. Or the beep test thing, where you got to run. It, it beeps once, you run to the other side before the second beep. And oh. it gets, uh, the, did the like... beeps get closer together until people start dropping off. Oh, no, yeah. I never remember doing that. We did like the <laughs> lightning, the lightning test or the lightning runs, which were like, right. run and then immediate stop and then run back. And then the distances get shorter and shorter and shorter. So you like run from one side of the gym to the other, and then there's a, a marked line. So then you run to that line, then you run to the next marked line. So your the distances you're running are shorter and shorter. So you're testing right. like your stopping and starting ability. Oh, right. And then there was just basically the run a long distance till you puke. <laughs> basically, oh, yeah. just going to see yeah. who drops first. Yeah. Well, and uh, this has been Gymcast. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, so fitness cast. Uh, so anyway, uh, Clark and Pete are climbing up the ropes and he sees Pete without his skin. CG and he just, Pete holds up. I'm going to yeah. say it. He yeah. looks pretty good. Yeah. And so he falls straight to the floor, which like 15 foot drop at least. Um, which at least there's a reaction. Like it was like, Oh, ouch. And you can hear the coach in the background. Like, Oh my God, Kent, are you okay? <laughs> like, and he's Clark's blinking his eyes and he's looking toward the girl's locker room and, and he gets like gets uncomfortable for a second. And, and I mean, I'm just a like, dumb grin. Oh yeah. Clark Clark's loving it because Clark's a high school kid and, and he's yeah. watching, um, various, um, underage women in states of undress in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little peeping, peeping Tommy for a little yeah, bit. It's, it's, it's unintentional and I get it. And it's supposed to be like a comedy beat now, but like right. as a grown man, I'm like, why are you showing me supposed underage girls all undressed well, on oh, TV? God. Why are 15 year olds getting up, getting naked? It's like a very weird, like directorial decision. You could have hinted at it. You could have just hinted at all the girls running into the locker room and like a big sign that says showers, but no, let's show it. And uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, Kristen Crook at the time of filming this, cause I fucking looked it up. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Crook at the time of filming this is 18 years old. I have to assume all the other extras are 18 or older as well. Um, right. It's still just a weird thing to put on primetime TV is just like, Hey, you know what? Let's just allude to a lot, a lot of underage nudity. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so at, at home, Clark is talking about how he, he can't figure out these powers and he's getting so frustrated about like not being able to get a handle on these things and he kind of storms out. Um, and we kind of, uh, sort of the B story of this episode is kind of a, a like a, a little bit of a meteor Lana. It's kind of a Lana episode. Um, where, uh, Tina is visiting Lana while Lana's going through stuff in their garage and she's getting kind of weird about dropping weird hints about wanting to be adopted by Nell. 
if anything were to happen to her mom and like all this other stuff. And like Lana's just trying to be a good friend to her. Yeah. Tina gets creepy quick. Yeah. She's like moves, real she quick lips real fast. Um, she goes like, and it's almost Im- immediately apparent that she's going to go single white female. Right. Yeah. It's a movies from the nineties kids. It's, yeah. You don't need to watch it. It's essentially a girl who gets obsessed with another girl and tries to take her identity. Yeah. It's TV tropes. You look yeah. at <laughs> Yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think that's kind of it for, for the Lana. We go back over to, uh, to Clark, uh, on the street with Martha and he gets a flash again and sees, uh, like Tina entering the antique store or he sees the skeleton at least because he recognizes the kind of green skeleton. Yeah. Cause he's still not controlling it. Right. Like it's just going no, off. It's just happening. Yeah. It's happening. Like it's happening as he's walking down the street and like, he sees an old woman walking by and he's just like, totally like, like looking over his shoulder, like what's going on. And then um, he catches. Yeah. And so the whole thing is that he keeps catching the skeleton but not the person attacked. Like, so he doesn't see the face. So he's never right. able to like identify who the actual person is. Cause he right. still can't control that. Right. But, uh, Martha and, and Clark both enter the antique shop and, uh, uh, like Tina kind of masquerading as Rose, uh, you know, uh, comes out and she's like, Oh, Mrs. Mrs. Kent. I mean, Martha, like, why did you really? say that name? No, I'm going <laughs> to, I'll eventually get over that. <laughs> Why? But yeah, I actually, so I actually love that movie. So <laughs> whatever, but I'll make fun of it. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, so Clark asks about where Tina is and, uh, uh, you know, she tries to throw him off by saying Tina is with Lana. Um, and Clark kind of is like, you know, I've got a headache. I'm going to go get some air. He heads outside and, um, she kind of sets it up that they're going to, she's going to sell the store and move to Metropolis. Um, but Martha is there to pick up, um, is it like a lamp? Oh yes. A lamp. Yeah, you're right. I, I was going to say clock, but it's a lamp. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but while, so while she's in the back rummaging around, Martha's looking around at stuff and she sees a bundle of like cash under yeah. She's like, like checking out like an antique mirror right? and behind her is like some kind right. of hope chest or something. Mm-hmm. And then under the chest, she just sees like just the corner of a bundle of bills. Right. And Tina does a pretty bad job of trying to cover herself. Uh, gets Martha a little suspicious, but while Martha's trying about to kind of is flustered and not paying attention, Tina steals her keys. Yeah, I don't I, like because she's like, oh, well, the lamp's not done yet. I'll have it done next week. Blah, I got to lock up now or whatever. So she tries to like force her out of the. Yeah. And Martha forgets her purse on the on the counter. Yeah. Right. And then so outside, Martha's kind of like still kind of like. Like shaking a little bit. She's looking at like the newspaper in a in a in a newspaper box about the Lex's bank robbery and. Uh, out of nowhere, blue Kent truck. Blue. To, I think I caught that too. Tries, tries, tries to run her down. Well, uh, uh, oh, and Clark is driving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she but then like, Clark, what? <laughs> <laughs> it speeds by, and then like a second later, Clark comes up behind her, and he's like, yeah. "Sup?" And she happily gives Clark a hug. <laughs> like. Not even for a second, not a, not a little bit of a delay. Like you uh, just tried to hit me with a truck, but now you're here. Like there's yeah. no weirdness about it at all. I would have been like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. So back out back on the on the old homestead, we find out that the truck was recovered later, um, kind of a few miles out of town or whatever. Um, and the Kents kind of discuss what happened, like what Clark thinks, um, and then like they're talking about. Um, like Tina was really sick as a, as a young kid. Like she had like a bone disease, like a soft bone disease. Right. They thought she was going to die within like months or weeks or something like that. Right. And she was on all kinds of experimental drugs and then the meteor shower happened. And so we kind of get an idea that she got her power that way. Yeah. 
Now, is has Clark already told them that he can see extra that he's seeing X-ray vision now, or is he, this the scene where he tells them? I think this is the scene where he's saying like he's he's no, he's already told them that he uh, he's thinks that that's what he can do. Um, but uh, this is the scene where Jonathan uh, tries to test it by being like, "All right, what's in my hand?" Yeah, and Clark's like, "Your pocket knife." <laughs> and it's like a it's like a good comedy moment. It's it's a nice of, little like, gag. It's the Clark it's who did control it. Pocket. No, it's your pocket knife. You keep it in your right hand pocket. And he even gives him like a shit eating smirk at the end. Yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> It's funny because when you're uh, when the camera is kind of over Clark's shoulder on Jonathan's face, where Jonathan's like you you uh, you saw through, you can actually already see the grin on Tom Welling's face. Oh, can you profile. really? I didn't notice. That. Oh yeah, he's already fucking like. Just I just a part it. of me has to laugh at like the intensity of Jonathan's face, where he's like holding the fist to Clark, like what is it? What is it, Clark? He's like very obsessed <laughs> with it. <laughs> like what's in the right. hand, Clark? Yeah, chill, man. He's working on it. Yeah, but uh, so back over to story B. Lana uh, has found some more of her mom's stuff and learns from like a diary entry that she was kind of unhappy in Smallville, and she uh, kind of storms into the house and tells Nell that she lied to her about her mother. This is, I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird B story. Um, it's also kind of a welcome one. Uh, because of something we'll get to later but uh, i mean as much as i hate the fact that lana is basically defined by like emptiness and sadness for so much of the series this is a nice kind of i do like her being able to like connect with the past connect with her mom and and the idea that like her mom wasn't necessarily satisfied in smallville either right and that, like, she's she feels like it's something she could have written herself. Yeah, yeah. So, sort of our our next, our, we we kind of get back over to Lex because Lex was concerned earlier about how the papers were going to have a field day, and he's right because Roger Nixon, uh, a reporter, tries to uh, blackmail him. Like he's hanging out, leaning on on uh, Lex's car. And talks about how he's going to bring up Club Zero and all this other stuff. And Lex is like, you know, you're not doing this. Like, I'm not going to bend to you. And Lex takes off. I'm actually surprised at how early on they were hinting at the Club Zero stuff. Right. And then other stuff that we'll talk about later on in the episode. But there's some cool stuff that starts to happen. Because, like, I don't... Like, you really don't see Club Zero stuff. And I mean, I could be wrong, but I want to say until like season three, season four. Right. I think right? we get little drips and drabs of it. Like, Lex is trying to keep it real quiet, as we'll see, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, he, uh, we, it's a real quick scene, but it sets up some stuff. Um, uh, I think Lana's coming home from somewhere and Dallas sitting out on the outside on their, on their swing. Um, and she talks to Lana about how, uh, her mom felt and how she gave a speech at their graduation and that the, basically the gist of it was that she didn't really accomplish much, make a difference in Smallville, but she hopes that her children could. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, it really hits Lana real hard. A a A lot. Due to the fact that Lana probably feels she's not accomplishing anything. Yeah. So I think it's the, I think it's the following day at school. Uh, like we, we see Tina just kind of standing, kind of staring into the distance, but then we, uh, we see Clark kind of staring at her and he looks like he's trying to like activate his x-ray vision. Mm-hmm. And Chloe and Peter are like, uh, uh, what's going on? <laughs> I, I, I am like really cut. Yeah. Like why are you staring at her? Is it, has she already like turned and looked at Clark and go, Kent, what are you looking at? <laughs> Cause I, Oh no, not, not yet. What's, um, what, what's your glitch? What's your glitch, <laughs> Kent? Um, but, uh, I'm actually like really surprised at the lack of Pete and Chloe in these first episodes. Yeah. I um, think 
this one is like one of those the first times where Clark is doing stuff in front of Pete and not really trying super hard to hide what he's doing. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it seems like uh, in Hothead too, where he's like ripping off car doors and and speed running uh, down like the school hallway and whatever. Like he's very reckless in trying to hide his stuff. Right. But I think that's on purpose because. If I remember correctly, as the seasons go on, hiding his powers become a lot more important. Like, it seems to be like they they actually concentrate on, like, we really need you to stop. Like, you need to start hiding a lot better than you are now. Right. And then also, but also, like, I think Clark has people hiding his powers as well, like keeping his secret. And uh, we also have just like situations where now Lex is a little bit more onto him or other government agencies are onto him. Like, yeah. Like as suspicions arise, Perry Perry White, for example. Oh yeah. Makes an appearance at some point. Like the flying tractor thing. Again, uh, uh, listeners, if you have a problem with the spoilers, let us know. Because something that that I just realized the other day is that, um, uh, and this is coming from other people that follow me on social media, uh, that a lot of people, some of whom were like infants when this came out, are watching it for the first time. Right. So, um, and, and no one's told me either way if they care about the spoilers or not but if you do care about the spoilers let us know because we are fully capable of putting that shit on lockdown totally yeah we we can we can keep just to the episode we're talking about um if if that's what you want uh so but at this school scene uh tina is wait kind of waiting for lana and whitney makes a comment about her having her low jacked um and uh takes off but uh, he, she kind of asks Lana to move in with her, trying to kind of cover for why her mom's not around and all this other stuff. But she gets very upset and aggressive when Lana just kind of lets her know she wants to let Nell know. Yeah, and she gets like right in her face. Right. Like, right. It would have been perfect, Lana. <laughs> like, And she's like an inch away from her. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, and Tina goes over to her locker and she throws the necklace inside that she she made for herself or got from the antique store. And uh, and as as she leaves uh, out this one door, Clark kind of comes out a door like like he's been waiting there in wait <laughs> and s- sees the uh, uh, the bag of money in her locker. And this is the moment where then Tina's like, "What's your glitch?" Oh, because he's just staring at the locker, which I mean, that's a legitimate question. Why are you staring at my locker? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so he found the cash and uh, we find out kind of in the next scene, the cops show up at the shop while Tina is wearing her uh, mom's face. Um, and they, they kind of learn that the cops are after her. They found the money and she tries to find out who Lana or, or who, um, uh, who told about the cash. Oh yes. As the mom, the mom asks who gave the tip. Right. Right. Uh, and we, we then we're up at the, at the, um, the loft in the barn and Clark is staring at his, uh, his piggy bank. And Lana's like, well, if you want to count it, why don't you just open it up and find out what's in there? I will say 100% that this caught me off guard. Yeah, that I, I'd forgotten how. This I totally forgot. Yeah, the way it unravels because she comes in and uh, and she's doing like a great Lana. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so she's like, hey, you know, it's a lot easier if you just open it up, blah, blah, blah. And then Lana gets really flirty. Yeah, and she says she wants to thank Clark for being there, who seeing her for who she really is. And she starts kissing him, and he's like, what about Whitney? And she's like, forget Whitney. And as they continue to kiss, you actually see from one shot, it's Kristen Crook, and then the next shot, it's uh, Lizzie. Um, and she pulls away and says, "You, uh, I don't know how you found out. And she just throws him through the barn wall. I mean, you gotta think until we get to the slutty witches, that's a, that's a good day for Tom Welling. Yeah. 
That's a good day of shooting. <laughs> what, what are we going to do today? Well, Tom, you're going to sit here and you're going to kiss Kristen for a couple hours, and then you're going to kiss Lizzie for a couple hours. That's your day. Yeah. He's like, sweet. All right. That son of a bitch. <laughs> And the stunt man's like, so what do I do to, tonight? Oh, uh, you're getting thrown through a door, uh, and, and you're gonna land. You're gonna land on the blue Kent truck. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> and you're gonna get paid uh, like ten percent of what Tom's getting. Yeah. Scale. Yeah, uh, but it's weird because she she throws him down the truck, and he's not like clearly dead. And so for some reason, she just doesn't finish him. Like, well, I guess I was like, yeah, well, she's not really a murderer. No, but she is, though. Yeah, she is yeah. a murderer. Yeah. I mean, she killed her mom by accident, but at this point, she's gone completely apeshit. So yeah. it's like, well, maybe that's her whole thing. Maybe she can only kill people by having them fall. Right. So right. he's already on the ground. It would just mm. be like, how are you going to orchestrate another fall? You're just going to roll him off the truck. That's not far enough. No, that's not far enough to break a neck. No, everyone knows that. No. So, but, uh, so, but later on, like, uh, like the barns being cleaned up or whatever. And, uh, Clark tells them that there's not really any point. Uh, he tells, uh, Martha and Jonathan that there's not really any point in telling anyone about this because she can be anybody. I mean, it's a good argument. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Lana's though continuing her her kind of search to try to find her mother's speech, comes to Chloe about it, um, and they kind of have their first kind of you know like friendly moment, like uh, like Chloe's agreed to do this thing for her, like uh, Lana makes uh, like uh, a comment about liking Chloe's direction of where she's taking the paper, uh, and like it makes me think is like is this Chloe's first year on the paper, because. I think I, I want to say maybe it was in an earlier episode, but I want to say that, yeah, she like resurrected it. Right. And right. now whether or not she meant that like nobody was reading it and now people are reading it, but it's always been there or, or that it was like a dead thing. And she told the school like, no, I want to do this. Right. Um, I don't remember. Are they, or no, they're, they're, they're juniors, right? It's their yeah, first year because juniors, the scarecrow so, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe she did. Told, well, no, then you have to assume that it's already existed and she's just taking over as a junior. Well, yeah, because it definitely did exist because uh, they go into the filing cabinet to try to find a specific year and they find 77 and they're like, well, I guess they decided not to print the speech uh, in the paper sure. because it was too controversial. And Chloe's like, well, do you know who uh, who, who, who wrote it or who said it? And uh, Lana's like, yeah, my mom. It is uh, a great scene. It is really yeah. like a nice moment because like we were saying in, in hothead, the episode before, like Chloe was very snarky to Lana and very kind of like, and don't get me wrong. Like I hung out with people like this, uh, when I was in high school of just like kind of thumbing their noses at the high school establishment as it were. So like if you were right. on a team or a cheerleader or whatever, you were like, Oh my God, get over it. So Chloe yeah. was kind of that. And like in rewatching it now, a little older, it was like, ah, you don't need to be like that. Who cares? She's into different things. And to see yeah. them interact in a nice way for Lana to show up and go, well, I actually think it's really cool what you do. And I like the paper and I read it. And then for like Chloe to make the realization of, oh, so you're not like just an airhead. You're, you're, yeah. you know, socially conscious. You're into what's going on in the school and, and you, you like things that I do and I haven't even given you uh, an opportunity. It's just a cool like bonding moment between the two. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so back, I guess the, the Lex story kind of continues here. We cut to the Luther mansion and uh, Lex is enjoying uh, a fine single malt or something. He's got his, he's got his uh, glassware out and he's uh, having a drink and Nixon shows up to collect his money Mm -hmm. and uh, he's kind of trying to make his way out and Lex is like if you walk out th that door I'm going to make you disappear yes uh, and my notes and just like all caps is this yes and Lex starts to flex yeah he t he kind of goes into some detail he's like you know what he's like 
I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I mean, he's like, you'll, uh, like, Nixon's like, what are you gonna do, kill me? He's like, no, I'm not gonna kill you, but it'll be just as bad as that. Like, you won't exist. Yeah, uh, I will empty know. all your bank accounts. I will get rid of your social security number. I will remove you from any database that exists of you. You will be a nobody. Yeah, and so, and he's doing this again while he's goes over and starts playing at his pool table again, and he's just like, and Nixon's like, you know what? I'll take, I'll give back the money. Now we're even. He's like, oh no, we're far from even. He's like, your brother works for the juvenile courts. How do you think he got that information? He's like, he could go for jail for that. Go to jail for that. And uh, Lex is like, well, uh, you shouldn't have gotten him involved. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good as to like the depths of if you fuck with Lex Luthor, he will be relentless and he will be creative in how he takes you down. And if you just beg for forgiveness, he'll won't, he won't accept it. And you just now become beholden to him. Yeah. And that's the thing is like Lex sees this, senses that this has happened and he locks it down. He's like, but you can get out of this by helping me. He's basically uh, insists that Roger find anything about Lex, any negative press that's going to come out, squash it. And then he's like, but there's something else. I want you to follow me. And he kind of just walks out of the office and we cut to like, uh, like a, like a hangar area or like, it's like, it's in the mansion. I assume uh, he's got a room where his car that he hit Clark with uh, is sitting and Nixon's like, what the hell happened to your car? And Lex is like, well, I drove it off a bridge at 60 miles an hour. And he says, well, how did you survive? And Lex is just like, well, that's a mystery I want you to help me solve. And there's Very like cool. some like dark music playing. Yeah. And this, like, this little arc that they're setting off right here. Well, I guess it was, was really set off with the original accident. But yeah. like Lex looking into it. This goes on for quite a while and it's actually fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's not letting this go. He doesn't think it was any accident that he's managed to survive this. Um, so Clark, uh, is kind of, uh, hanging out again at home and he's trying to use his x-ray vision to look through the lead box. Uh, when Lana shows up and he's kind of startled because, he doesn't know whether it's really Lana or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and and Lana talks about the diary and asks Clark if he's looking for his family, if he's ever looked for his family. Oh, and that's right. And this is when he's like, um, no, not or he he's like, well, a lot of the time I just think they're like galaxies away or something like that. Right. And then he wonders, um, well, I mean, a lot of the time I wonder why they gave me up. Right. Uh, I don't know if he, if he uses the words like, am I not good enough? Why they couldn't love me? Things like that. But it, you you have to assume that the, the kind of things that go through an adoptive child's head is, well, what is the situation with my biological parents? What was the situation that uh, caused them to have to give me up? Right. Yeah, and then so like it's it's weird because we I think we we leave the scene on Lana, um, and then we cut to the school and it's Lana again. But I don't know if it's just the lighting or something, but her hair is darker. Oh, but it's like fun, it's like fun it's like Lana. Yeah, it, Tina has like maybe gotten the hair shade slightly wrong or something. Like I I want a headcanon that, um, but Lana just kind of like throws Whitney against the wall to make out with him kind of just as a ploy to get his jacket. Which smart. Yeah, it's smart. I also think it's, it's just like, um, not just to get the jacket. I think a lot of it is just Tina's obsession with having what Lana has. Right. She wants so, like the, life. Yeah. Like, so yeah. kissing and making out with Whitney was definitely part of that. Just like, you know what? You're Lana's, but I want to be Lana. So you're going to have to be mine now. Um, but I do love fun, flirty Lana. Yeah. And Whitney totally doesn't put two and two together. He's just like, Oh, I could get used to this. Um, and why would he, like, he, he hasn't really experienced any weirdness yet. I mean, he hasn't other than when his truck got flipped over by spider Greg, but yeah. 
And I mean, realistically, other than like, you don't know, none of us know how far Whitney and Lana's relationship has gone. Right. So, I mean, we don't know what like a horny Lana looks like. Yeah, we don't. But, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of... Well, then I have, at some point here, we have um, uh, Clark and Pete breaking into the jewelry shop, or the antique shop. Right, right. So we're on well, episode four, and we've had two break-and-enters from these underage kids already. Right. I think before that, though, Clark is, like, telling Pete about his suspicions about Tina and Clark's kind of, and and Pete's kind of like isn't this kind of a Chloe thing like I'm sort of yes. like your friend yeah, and yeah. Clark's like why are we friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're starting to turn into Chloe and yeah and then Pete just shit talks Clark <laughs> so they yeah but yeah they break in and like kind of on on Clark's hunch Clark's hunch well, and he, he, he and now at this point he's starting to be able to control the yeah, yeah. or he, he's a little past it so he's he can control it now so he looks through the the door mm-hmm. and then he x-rays the inside of the shop and he sees a body stuffed in a cabinet right so when they go in he kind of walks almost right over to it and opens it up and a body topples out and pete is not nearly upset enough <laughs> at all (laughs) like jesus christ cold as ice he's like who is it (laughs) yeah not even like it's just like not even surprised that a body fell out of a cabinet but not that clark beelined for the cabinet and insisted that they break in there like if this was me i immediately become suspicious that my friend is a murderer well he's like how do you know she was in there he's like i could see through the door pete like he says it directly but pete takes it as sarcastic yeah, yes, and he's like, yeah. True. And he's like, how do you think she died? And part Clark's immediately like broken neck. Yeah. And Pete is, yeah, Pete should be like, my my friend is killing people. I need yeah. to. <laughs> that actually should have been his, Pete's third question. How did you know she was in there? I saw her through the door. I wonder, how do you think she died? Broken neck. Did you kill her? Should have been the third <laughs> question. There's no third question. Like, Pete's just like, oh, corpse, yellow. Yeah. Yeah, call the cops, I guess. Yeah. But uh, but then they find some scribbling of like Tina's where she's been practicing Lana's signature. Yes, more white uh, single white female action here. Right, she's and... she's fully planning to take over Lana's life. Yeah, completely. And Clark puts that two and two together and rushes out of there. Uh, and I th- I think we from this point I think it's graveyard time. Yeah. Which the cemetery looks significantly different yeah it looks a lot di- bigger i think or, like and I'm, I'm starting to wonder if the first cemetery was a set and this one is actually outside an outdoor an outdoor yeah 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 because it's uh, i think it's more consistent from this point on or maybe it's shot from different angles at certain points um but yeah lana's at her parents uh grave and whitney shows up and is being a total dick um, and Lana's like, well, what are you, what are you, what are you saying? Like, he's just kind of like, your parents are dead. They're not coming back. You need to grow up. Yeah. But then he kind of switches to this like menacing, like you don't deserve your life. And then he, she kind of anamorphs into herself and says, I do. And then and just straight out chokes Lana down. Chokes yes. Lana. <laughs> Which is good because. Well, not good, but like, I'm glad that she morphed into Tina first, as opposed to having like Whitney (laughs) full on, like haul out and like, just like knock Lana unconscious or something. Cause then the episode couldn't have ended the way it did. Cause remember right at the end, like Whitney shows up and like to comfort her. If he, (laughs) if the last thing I remembered was Whitney choking her out, that would not have gone well. True. Whitney Although, I mean, Martha, Martha forgave Clark for trying to run her over with a truck, like, immediately. Right. The people are very forgiving in this small, small Kansas town. There you go. But yeah, so, but as, as she's, like, taken Lana out, the necklace comes off in, in her hand and it's glowing. So I think maybe when, like, when the, when the meteor rock is exposed to people that have meteor abilities, it also glows. Okay. I can accept that. Tina's holding it up as kind of the scene ends with like 
it clenched in her fist and it's glowing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. But uh, Lana comes to and she's in a coffin. Well, but not, with, with... not just a coffin. She's in like a sarcophagus. Yeah, she's like, in a sarcophagus. She's in, in, in a mausoleum. A... Mausoleum. Mausoleum. Yeah, but like the tops of those things are hundreds of pounds. So Look, again, I, I have to assume like part of my theory has to be that exposure to meteor rock makes you super strong regardless. It gives you superhuman strength. I think they do discuss that Tina's super does have strength because she demonstrated that when she threw Clark through the door, like the yeah. Clark told the Kents that he, he believes that she's obviously got super strength, which kind of squares the circle there because otherwise there's no way to move that the top of that uh, yeah. ca- coffin. Right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, but so she's kind of trying to escape, and uh, just kind of she's just struggling. Um, but uh, Clark shows up and finds Whitney, um, or who he thinks is Whitney, and Whitney's kind of walking up, and you can kind of tell just by the way he's approaching, he's got something behind his back. Um, and as he gets closer, uh, Clark starts to get weakened from the from the k which now like at this point in time you're clark you're in like a dark cemetery whatever the first thing you do if someone walks up behind you is now x-ray vision them right like there's a murderer a psycho murderer on the loose who's already beat your ass once twice twice now right right like whitney shows up out of nowhere and his first whitney what are you doing here yeah, he doesn't immediately, like, squint. Yeah, exactly. Like, hmm, I'm suspicious. Right, but so he gets close enough that Whitney's able to just haul off and bash him with this giant pole he's got. Um, And then sent kind of smashing through a gravestone. Like, they fuck up a few headstones in this. Yeah, it's, it's very disrespectful. Like, but kind of as uh, as Clark's kind of getting up, he's take he's kind of getting out of his jacket and... Uh, and uh, Whitney throws away, or Tina as Whitney, Twitney throws away his jacket, um, and that kind of allows Clark to kind of recover. Because the the necklace was inside the pocket far enough of away. the jacket. Yeah, yeah, far enough, far enough away. Yeah. And then now I think Clark uses his X-ray vision and sees the body of. Does he see her before or after the fight? Lana struggling in the. Uh... I think I think it's got to be right after because I think uh, one of the things I was like something that happens like after they throw each other through a few headstones and then Clark chucks uh, Tina through the air and into a tree and then you see kind of Tina kind of change back and kind of open her eyes kind of groggily like she's yeah been just Whit- Whitney out. morphs back into Tina so there is no. Um... There's no footage of Tom Welling kicking the shit out of Lizzie Kaplan at any point. I mean, unfortunate, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there might be some behind the scenes shit we haven't seen, but as yeah. far as Smallville canon goes. Yeah, but so, so but yeah, canonically, it was, uh, it was, it was Winnie. Um, but uh, so as that's happening, uh, Clark's kind of looking around and he's like, Lana! Which. Nowadays, I can't, I can't not relate to Archer. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and uh, so, but he he does then use X-ray, and he sees her kind of the last of her struggle as she kind of loses consciousness. Which I'm gonna assume that that's just like falling back under the previous um, head trauma that she had gone through, or the because. There would have been a lot of oxygen in there. She'd have been fine for a couple of hours at least. Right, right. And uh, but Clark sh- gets in there and he just smashes this lid, this no, the the mausoleum lid. Like you gotta wonder the people that the family that own that plot are just like, what the fuck? Yeah, he also, it, he also tore the door off of it. At some point, <laughs> there's going to be like someone's going to go ve- visit the the gravesite of a relative. And just see, like, what looks like just random graveyard vandalism. Right. Well, I mean, just the cops, when they show up there, right, alone would be like, okay, what the hell happened here? I guess they blame it all on Tina. I guess. Tina just rampaged in the cemetery. 
So do we think that's who who's in the ambulance? Who? At the end, Tina. Or mean? is the or was the ambulance just there to kind of help Lana because Lana's like wearing like the blanket and stuff like that, right? Like, well, I mean, recover. Lana was found unconscious, mm-hmm. so she would have had to be there. They don't, yeah. Did Tina just escape? What? Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember ever seeing Tina like arrested. Right. Well, I mean, she might be back. Maybe you know. <laughs> she could be anybody at any time she could right. be the entire cast of this show going forward she could be anybody i guess we'll have to speculate on which character is tina in this episode and yeah and that, All right. next episode and then so uh whitney does actually show up right uh, but before lana. before that though i think chloe shows up and gives lana the cassette oh that's right and, and again this is where, like, you really start to get endeared to Chloe, because that's solid, man. She she even goes like, "I can't get into how I got this, right. but I got it." Uh, and you, you like, you have to assume, it, even though it's all been off screen, that she like busted her ass to get this done for a right. girl that, I mean, before this, she kind of seemed very indifferent, if not a little bit hostile towards. But now right. she's like, no, I'll go, I'll, I'll go out of my way. One, because you've given me a mystery to solve and she's part of the fucking Scooby gang. Right. And two, just because she's like that solid of a person, like Chloe's going to go to bat for you. Right. Yeah. And she, and that, and that, like we, again, we do see the scene where like, like Martha notices how Clark is looking at Lana and then, yeah, Whitney shows up and they kind of go inside Lana's house and Clark continues to torture himself because he uses his x-ray vision to look through the walls at them as they, a, they kind of embrace. If you can asks, count at home, it is official, uh, long, four sad, four. yearning look number four. Yeah, four for four. We're, we're 100%. Yes. Undefeated. Uh, but yeah, so, but uh, but then he asks Martha what she would do if she could see everything. Oh, great line. And she says she would learn not to. She'd learn to close her eyes. Learn to close her eyes. Yeah. Great fucking line. Great line. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think the episode closes just on, on Lana sitting in like red Lana truck. Yeah. I think she Uh, stole one of the Kent's vehicles. Yeah. It's a red truck. So, you know, but she listens to the tape and she's hearing her mother's voice maybe for the first for for the first time because there's no way she can remember what her mom sounded like no yeah exactly and but we we have no indication that there's any like family videos or anything around and i will give props to Kristen crook for this just acting her or or flexing her acting muscles here right yeah Uh, it's, it's a nice moment yeah and so that's where that's where we end uh so what do you think of this one um I enjoy this episode. I mean, it's, it's like I said, there's a lot of building blocks here that you go off of. You've got uh introduction of a new power, which like you said, last episode, the introductions of new powers are always fun and tend to be important episodes. Uh, you've got uh, Lex kind of opening up a longer overarching storyline. That's going to continue for quite a while with the reporter, but he's also like really flexing his Lex muscle here about how, Sinister and devious and um, and uh, unfuckwithable that Lex can be. Um, right. And you've got a decent enough villain, but you've also got Lizzie fucking Kaplan, and that's kind of yeah. all you need sometimes. Yeah, Lizzie fucking Kaplan. What about you? Uh, you, you yeah, you made like the the point I I was gonna make about about Lex. Uh, and like the the kind of opening up of a kind of ongoing story arc, which is kind of welcome, because uh, even though we might be going week to week with these villain of the week, we're going to start seeing a lot of this with Lex. Uh, we're we're kind of get both best of both worlds where we sort of get a villain of the week, but at the same time, characters are going to be moving through their individual storylines. Uh, in a way, we're going to start to get uh, kind of episodic television in a way yeah. that we kind of currently have with longer overarching 
storylines. And, and there um, is a, at a point, Smallville actually gets really good at planting seeds that really don't bloom until years later. Yeah. Like Veritas um, is a Veritas is a big thing. Well, that Talking, you, you, you Queens and all that. Yeah. And you get the key for the ship that leads to a million different fucking things. And right. Like, right. Yeah. But there's there is a funny scene that I want to point out is during the part where Lex uh, is has ha- having robbed the bank and is running down the street, still holding the gun in his hand. He runs into this woman that's holding flowers and she just spins out of the way. And like as Clark is grabbing onto Lex, you still see her spinning in the background and then finally falling down. <laughs> It is really? fucking hilarious. I laughed oh, so goddamn hard. I'll have to oh go back and see that because I did yeah. not catch that at all. It's very quick. Like, oh my god, but it's so good. Extras. Uh, like, I'll happily I've go been, back. I've been watching for extras doing shit like I that. Should. And, we oh, should do like bad so extra good. of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or bad extra of the episode, I guess. But well, I guess we are putting them out weekly. Oh, that's, uh, I guess, one thing. If you guys uh, didn't know or didn't see, if you're not following us on social media, you can find all our social media links in the episode description, by the way. But if you didn't know, our official day of release is Fridays. So there will yeah. be a new episode up every Friday. Yeah. From now until sometime in like 2023. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of weeks. A lot of weeks <laughs> to get covered. <laughs> Um, and again, me and Paul kind of binge record these things. So, uh, by the time you hear this, we're like three episodes up already. So there should be barring any major, um, uh, life upending things. We should be okay on keeping pace. Right. So if you, if you want a Friday, Friday podcast, uh, we're here and, uh, I guess, yeah, that's sort of, I guess it for this one. Um, yeah, I liked I liked the episode overall. Like like I said, like last time, it's just uh, these ones where they introduce a power are pretty good. They're always fun and uh, a decent villain this week. Uh, a little bit unhinged, and like that kind of goes forward. Like I think something happens with meteor infected people where they they do tend to lose it. I seem to I seem to remember that they say something like that at one point. Like specifically, I remember Chloe saying something like that in a future episode where she's just like, "It has to be this exposure to the meteor rock it just does something to people's minds." Right. Um, because even at points where like the main cast starts getting exposed to certain things and getting certain powers, they start to go as well. But for some reason, they're always able to cure those people instead of killing them. Yeah, I don't know. TV, I guess. Um, yeah. The show has inspired me though. I'm going to get knuckle tattoos. <laughs> and on one on one on one hand, I'm going to get the word bomb. And on the <laughs> other four knuckles, I'm going to get the word rose. Because <laughs> you do not fuck with rose and bomb ever. <laughs> rose and bomb will fuck you up. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. What the <laughs> fuck? I did not know where that was going. I was literally, I've been thinking about that for like two weeks. I'm like, I'm absolutely getting those tattoos. But I'm not. But maybe we'll turn it into some merch Jesus. or something. I don't know. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's it. That's it. Uh, so like I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you want to... Uh, check out the description of the uh, the podcast here, the show notes, or I guess whatever you want to call it. Uh, all our social media links are there. If you want to get in touch with us, give us a little feedback. That would be more than welcome. Uh, do me a favor, share the show with your friends. If your friends like things that are not in any way current <laughs> or necessarily important, but just dumb and fun. Yeah. Um and rate, rate, if, rate and make sure you rate and review. Yeah, I was going to say that if, if the whatever service you're listening to us on has the ability to rate and review, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm not going to beg for five stars, but if you give us five stars, that would be appreciated. Uh, and uh, I guess our main home is still Anchor. Um, is it anchor.fm slash save us? Yeah. Uh, and from there, if you want to go there, I know that we're on Spotify. A few people are listening to us on Spotify. I've already heard. We think we're going to iTunes. 
but we're not entirely sure. Anchor is supposed to share all this out for us, and then they uh, let us know when we're on other services. Um, we're trying to get on iTunes. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's it for me. My name is Steve. That guy over there and, is Paul. Paul. Well, we we've what still got next episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, next next episode, episode five. Cool. He's the coolest guy in school and a stone cold danger to everyone he meets. A fall into icy kryptonite laced crater lake turns a student into a hypothermic monster who seeks to rob others of their body heat. I don't remember this one at all. I'm sure I've seen it. Obviously, oh, first, ep- first, first season, I've seen every episode multiple times, but I don't remember this at all. You'll like the, you'll like this one. All right. It's not a new power, is it? Because it's immediately what I thought when you said that. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Clark doesn't get that power until very, very late in the series. No, no. Okay. No, you'll, 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 I think you might recognize it once you, once the episode starts. Oh, I, I for it's sure got, will. It's got a very cool effect partway through the episode that's just like super gruesome. But uh, we'll, we'll cover that next week. Awesome. And until next time, somebody save us. <laughs>